When the 116th Congress was sworn in, 101 newly elected representatives were among their ranks. They joined Congress as the rural economy faces yet another year of depressed commodity prices and low farm incomes. Now more than ever, it's critical that farm policy advocates work to educate them about the integral role federal farm policy plays in supporting rural America. I'm Tom Sell, and this is Groundwork, a podcast produced by Farm Policy Facts that gives you an inside look at agricultural policy. My guest today recently spent a week in Washington, D.C., putting advocacy into action. Sugar farmers John Snyder and Travis Medine were among the first wave of farmers to visit Capitol Hill since the Farm Bill passed. John and Travis met with dozens of lawmakers and shared their personal stories of real-world importance in the farm safety net. My first guest, John Snyder, is a fourth-generation farmer raising 860 acres of sugar beets in Warland, Wyoming. He's a previous president of the American Sugar Beet Growers Association. John, thanks for taking time to visit with me today. Sure, it's my pleasure to do so. So your family has been farming for generations. Tell us, what makes sugar farming in particular important for rural America? Well, it's always been important to my family, um, not only to my side of the family, but also to, to my wife's side of the family. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of her family came to Worland, Wyoming um, to work in the beef fields. Uh, they had moved over um, from Russia. They were actually in Russia um, uh, before the revolution and uh, moved over here um, and worked in the sugar business, uh, worked for Holly Sugar at the time and uh, later uh, um, uh, bought their own farms. And so it's been multi-generational. It's something that uh, our ancestors have built from scratch. And uh, it's, it's very important to our community here in Warland, Wyoming. We're a little community of 5,000 people. And the sugar factory is an integral part of, of our community and, and our uh, economy here. But then this also has a big impact nationwide, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's sugar grown in uh, 22 states around, uh, around the U.S. Uh, we provide 142,000 jobs, um, good paying jobs, uh, not only farm jobs, but factory jobs. Um, it trickles down to the people that work for us on the farms. It trickles down to the, to the supply houses here in town. Um, to the people that do our repairs. Um, it's, it's a huge part of our uh, economy, uh, not only here in Worland, Wyoming, but around the U.S. And uh, it's, it's extremely important um, to rural communities. So the debate over the 2018 Farm Bill included a robust discussion regarding the future of our federal sugar policy uniquely, with sugar ultimately prevailing in a strong, really a very strong bipartisan vote. What was it like to visit Capitol Hill with this new farm bill in place, finally, after, after a year-long debate? Well, it was very interesting because we had a couple different things going on at the time. We had people that had voted on the farm bill that, that had supported this and supported sugar policy. Um, and then we had a lot of new members there that, that really didn't know a lot about sugar or uh, sugar policy in the U.S. So, it was interesting. Uh, it was is on one hand we were saying thank you to those that had voted for us, and to those that didn't know a lot about sugar policy. We were trying to give them a real quick sugar 101, and how important sugar policy is to rural America. We had a, a first generation farmer that that went to the visit, went to Capitol Hill with us on the visits, and uh, 
you know, it's important to him and, and like it is to all of us um, that we have good, strong sugar policy. Um, our bankers are very pleased that we have good, strong sugar policy. Um, a lot of these guys couldn't get loans if, if we didn't have good, strong sugar policy and, and wouldn't be able to continue um, in raising sugar beets or sugar cane. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. I mean, sugar really is a driver in these rural communities, among the farmers, certainly. I mean, you may grow wheat or, or rye or other crops, even in Wyoming. Uh, you might raise some cattle. But sugar, in terms of the economy, it, it, it really is a big-time player, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, um, all of the sugar factories in the U.S. are owned by the farmers. We're all co-ops. Um, and so this business goes beyond the, uh, the uh, farm gate. It goes to our factories. Um, it's, it's basically we, we raise sugar from the seed, from when we put seed in the ground until the sugar goes in the sack. Um, it's all part of our business. And it's a very, uh, very specialized business. Uh, it takes some specialized equipment. And so uh, we have a big... Uh, um, we're very dedicated to the business because we have such an investment in it. Sugar has obviously grown worldwide, but how does our U.S. federal sugar policy protect farmers here at home, and, and why is it needed? Well, it's needed because uh, there's 120 different countries, I believe, that uh, raise sugar around the world, and it's one of the most uh, um, volatile commodities in the world. Uh, a lot of countries, uh, the big players, uh, even some of the smaller players, subsidize their sugar production. Um, we can talk about Brazil, uh, one of the largest sugar producers in the world. Uh, they subsidize growers uh, to about $2.5 billion a year. Um, India um, is, is well, well over uh, uh, $2 billion a year. So what they do is, is they subsidize their farmers and their, and their plants, and then they can, they can afford to dump that sugar onto the world market well below the cost of production. And what sugar policy does here is, is not allow a lot of that uh, sugar, uh, subsidized sugar into our country that would flood our market and drive our prices down. Um, it's a no-cost program. It doesn't cost our government anything. The last time it, uh, sugar policy cost our government anything was in 2013, when Mexico was uh, subsidizing and dumping sugar into this market and drove our, uh, drove our prices down well below our cost of production. And uh, we were, took the opportunity to file anti-dumping countervailing cases against Mexico and won that case. We can compete against anybody in the world uh, sugar beets uh, grown in the U.S. Are, are the most efficient in the world. So it isn't like we can't compete against them. We just can't compete against the foreign treasuries that uh, subsidize uh, their sugar production around the world. So another common question we, we hear often at Farm Policy Facts is, how does this impact taxpayers? You mentioned the federal sugar policy comes at no cost. Well, how the sugar policy works, it's a, it's a loan program. So when we produce uh, our sugar beets and we haul them down to, the, to our factory down here and, and they make sugar out of them, once that sugar is in the silo, um, we can take CCC loans out, Commodity Credit Corporation loans, that are repaid with interest. Um, and that allows a sugar company to, 
to uh, get the money because we can't sell all of our sugar all it's all at once. We have to market it throughout the year, but that, that allows your sugar company to to get a loan on that sugar and the and the pay the farmers for for the product, so they can in turn pay their bills. From a consumer standpoint, sugar is is an affordable product in in the U.S. relative to other nations. Absolutely, the uh, consumers pay twenty two percent less for their sugar uh, than other developed countries around the world. Um, those that are using it to make candy and and donuts and and uh, all the products that uh, sugar is used in, um, I think they pay twenty five percent less than other um, developed countries around the world. So it's a good price product. It's safe. And, um, and so it, it works really well. John, we sure appreciate what you do in Worland, Wyoming. You and your family generationally producing uh, one of America's core staple commodities uh, that keeps this nation going. Thank you for your participation today, too. Well, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Travis Medine is a fifth-generation sugar farmer from West Baton Rouge Parish in Louisiana. Thanks for joining us after your busy week in Capitol Hill. So Travis, you're a young farmer. I believe you're 38. What do you believe are the biggest issues impacting the younger generations? I think the most important thing is what you alluded to in your introduction, which is advocacy. Because as we get into my generation, you know, when my great-grandfather and my grandfather were doing this, about every one in every five Americans was somehow tied to the farm. Now you've got a small percentage of the population providing food for the entire population. And it's it's so important to tell our story just so people know that it's still done in a family-friendly manner and that, uh, that we're out here and uh, we're just trying to do things the right way. Preserving the farm safety net is critical to the survival of rural America. That's what we say. That's what I'm sure you said when you were up there. How do these policies impact your operation in Louisiana on a day-to-day basis? Well, on a day-to-day basis, it, it provides us a stability to know that the, the safety net is there, and, and particularly in sugar cane, which is something that not, a lot of people are not familiar with since it's only grown currently in Louisiana, Texas, and Florida. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that, that when we plant a crop, we can make four separate crops off of that one planting. So the, the planting that, that I did in August, I'll be able to harvest for the next four years. So a lot of people don't understand. I mean, that's a very, very long-term investment. Not only is it labor-intensive and very costly, but we, we have to know that that safety net is there. That way we know we're going to get the most out of our investment. That's, that's the easiest thing for me to tell people. And, and the other thing is, is when you go to get financing, I mean, uh, if you look back just 10, 15 years ago, commodity prices were down, but, but so were fertilizer prices machinery prices and herbicide prices, as well as labor. Now all of those things have gone up and we're roughly getting the same price we were getting those 15, 20 years ago. It's, uh, it's more imperative now than ever that we know that this, this farm bill is there to provide a safety net, a, a level of stability for us to be able to go to our bankers and, and for us to be able to budget for the future. The comment I hear from so many farmers of all types, sugar, traditional row crops, cotton, peanuts, is just that farming has become so high stakes that you're having to put so much money on the table. Could you talk a little bit just about how high stakes it is these days? 
it, it is high stakes. And, and you know, Tom, we've, we've done very well, and we've learned from generations past, as, as in any business, and especially in a family-oriented business like us at Medine Farms. And, and what we've been able to learn is, is how to be efficient, not only with every dollar we spend, but on economies of scale. So we, we've gotten to where we can turn that profit and we can, we can see a profit, but, but we do it a little bit differently now. We've just become more efficient. And so it, it's helped us maintain that bottom line, if you will, uh, where the margins may differ from year to year in form and you, you can still see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that kind of helps you keep going on as you were speaking about it. It, it, it can kind of be one of those things where you, you may hang your head one day, but, but the next day, you know, there's something that's going to pop up. That's going to, uh, it's going to make everything all right. And, uh, just to, to go back to the to the farm bill and, and you were talking about the visits to DC, that's that's what we try to relay to these Congress people, especially the ones that are in the more urban areas and they may be a little bit uh, a little bit further removed from the agricultural sector. We just try to try to tell them our story as best we can. And uh, to be honest with you, it's an easy story to tell because I'm quite proud of it. And I, and I love that optimism. I mean, that is the classic optimism uh, of the American farmer. Um, cause the chips are down at times, but you just got to keep plugging away and trust that the good Lord will bless those that work and, and, uh, and, and will bring you to, uh, uh, a new harvest. I tell you what, it's, we talk a lot about producers on this show, uh, and the impact of farm policy upon the producers, but, but our farm policy also impacts consumers. How does our federal sugar policy impact the American consumer? Well, I, th- I think that's that's a great point to get to because I, I think it, it can't be said enough that we provide a product that we're proud of as Americans because we know our product is as clean, is as good, and is as sustainable as any product throughout the world. And while mine may be a bit more expensive to run because we're in the United States and we pay our labor well, we pay our guys well, we have nice equipment, we pride ourselves in all of those things. But at the same time, we know we provide a very, very, very good product, a product that's unrivaled in quality. We, we uh, have the highest standards of labor. We take care of our land and pass it generation to generation better than it was passed to us. And we can hear, I can hear that coming through uh, in your voice just in this, in this interview and the way that, uh, in the pride you have from Dean Farms. So why is it important for Capitol Hill to hear directly from farm families? Well, well I, just, I just think it's a, it's a breath of fresh air for the lawmakers in particular and the staffers that we visit with. I mean, they see lobbyists in and out of there all day, every day, you know, as, as long as they're there. And, and just to see someone to come in, and, and when I like to go in, I like to come and I like to bring some pictures of my own operation and be able to show them exactly what we're doing and exactly where I was on, on such and such a day. And I can... I could tell them exactly how things go straight from the farm. And, and when I hand them that card, when I'm walking out the office and I can show them that business card and I could say, look, this number that's on this card, it's not a lobbyist. It's not a group that you're going to call and speak to. When you call this number, you're going to talk to me. I may have to stop my tractor like I did just now to speak to you, Tom. I may stop my tractor to talk to these people, but <laughs> that's, that's the important. They need to know that the grassroots, I mean, this is as grassroots as it gets. They know that we're involved. 
And for them to know that we're involved, I want those people, when they think of sugar policy, I don't want them to think of the lobbyists walking in there every day. I want them to think of me and that when they shook my hand, they could feel the calluses on my hand and they know I work in the dirt. That's what I want those people to know and take away from when I walk out of that office. We often hear about uh, the rising costs of food and, and maybe even experientially some, some folks would say, well, yeah, the prices of candy and those kinds of things uh, have gone up. And of course, a lot of times the manufacturers uh, of those food products, they like to kind of go to war with sugar farmers, um, saying that, that the cost of sugar in the U.S. is, is what is causing uh, their food costs to go up, their manufactured products to go up in price. Is that true? Tell me a little bit about, about how the price of sugar impacts the cost of these food products and what exactly is going on there. Well, I knew we all grew up eating chocolate, right? So you, you think about a chocolate bar that you ate, say, in your childhood. Does a chocolate bar today taste any different? It doesn't. It's the same thing. The same exact ingredients. There's the same just two cents of sugar in that chocolate bar that they were selling for, oh, I don't know, 50 cents in the 80s. That same two cents worth of sugar is this, it's the exact same amount in the ingredient list on that chocolate bar today that they're selling for $1.50. Now, my, yeah. prices, my prices here on the farm hadn't gone up that much. So you tell me where's, where's the discrepancy in those numbers? Because it's not coming yeah. down to the farm. It's not trickling down to the farmers. Thank you so much, John and Travis, for joining me today and sharing your experiences on Capitol Hill with our audience. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at hashtag groundwork and share this podcast with your friends. I'm Tom Sell. 